like that. You Hello, everybody, try and welcome that. back to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I hope you're all ready for an exciting, exhilarating, and informative episode of the Logan Blackman Show brought to you by me, the Logan Black, or the Logan Blackman, host of the Logan Blackman Show. And before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the, Lo- the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you like and follow the Facebook page and subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also go to the LoganBlackmanShow.com. Check out links to all those forms of social media we mentioned before, as well as links to our blogs, which we are going to be posting one this week. It'll probably be out on Saturday. If I had to guess, it's our week seven quarterback prospect rankings for the 2024 NFL draft. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But the main thing to focus on here, since you're listening right now, might as well make sure you're subscribed and are following to the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcast and or Spotify. And make sure to leave a rating on a five stars on both. It doesn't need to be a ra- it doesn't need to be a five star rating, sorry. But I would obviously appreciate that more than anything less than that. But if you feel the show's not up to stuff, it doesn't reach your high standards, then feel free to re- leave whatever rating you so please. And that was one of the weirder intros we have done because I felt like I stumbled over myself about five hundred freaking times. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't get a strike. Still can't get a straight thought through this this whole freaking intro to the show. But let's just go right into something. And right now I'm sitting here on my couch in beautiful Madrid, Iowa, and I'm watching Thursday night football. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the New Orleans Saints. We've got the what do we call it? Trevor Travis Etienne scoring a touchdown, second touchdown of the great great stuff for my fantasy teams, which have been uh, struggling this year. But Etienne's been one of the bright spots this year, especially for one of the teams, one of the leagues that I am the reigning champion in. He's got two touchdowns on the game. Let's look. Let's actually do a live check of the score in that fantasy game because I was predicted to lose. But Etienne with two touchdowns, 17 points. It is just, we are 13, we have the 13 minute mark in the second quarter. This game just pretty much started, and Travis Etienne already has 17 points on the game. And not only does he have 17 points, I am now projected to win. And you know, in fantasy football, projections mean shit. Projections mean shit. I think Travis Etienne was projected 13 points in this game in total. And guess what? As you may have figured out by now, but me saying it twice already, he has 17 points. First player in Jaguars history to have two plus touchdowns in three straight games or just three games a season. I couldn't tell. It went away too fast. But still, Travis Etienne's been freaking awesome this year. Absolutely tore apart the Bills. Absolutely tore apart the Bills. And when Travis Etienne got drafted, he was one of my favorite running backs in the draft. He was my favorite running back in the draft. And with the Bills drafting that year, remember it's the 2021 NFL draft, and the past two drafts, I wanted the Bills to go after a running back. Or not the past two. Two of the last three years, I wanted the Bills to go after a running back. I was kind of um, resigned to the fact they were going to take a running back this year because I wanted to see what James Cook could do. And up to this point in the season, my, bar the last two games, or bar, bar the Jaguars game, which is the game, of course, Travis, Travis Etienne went off, and Tra- James Cook is cooked this year. James Cook has played very good. I, I like the amount of carries he's getting. I didn't think... The past two weeks, he's been getting the carries that he deserves in this offense. Latavius Murray's been a very big factor in this offense this year, which is, you know, nice to see. He's an older guy. He was born and raised in Syracuse. or around, I think he was, he might have been, bo- he, was he raised in Syracuse? I think it was somewhere around Syracuse. But James Cook's played well. But the previous two years, remember, I wanted Brees Hall, who's playing really well for the New York Jets right now. And obviously the Bills drafted James Cook in the second round, got Greg Rousseau in the first round. So I can't complain too much. I like both those players. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. That was they got Greg Rousseau in the in the Travis Etienne draft, didn't they? Hold up. 
Hold up. Yeah, they got Greg Rousseau in the Travis Etienne draft. The year before, or year after, I guess, the Brees Hall draft, they got Kyrie Elam. And yeah, um, yeah, I would uh, I would appreciate as much like James Cook. They didn't get Rousseau and Cook in the same draft. My mistake. Cook was in last year's draft, along with Kyrie Elam, who I would be perfectly fine with the Bills did draft Brees Hall if that meant not drafting Kyrie Elam in that draft. And hopefully Kyrie Elam turns it around, but as of right now, he's not looking great. He's been burnt toast pretty much this entire season. Since he's played, he did not even play the first four games of the season, suited up for the or three games of the season, sorry, suited up for the first time. And I always loved that, or no, he did miss the first four games of the season because he missed the Miami game. That was the game everybody was talking about. He's going to come back because he's really good in bump and run coverage. Like He's played really well against the, the Dolphins the two times he played them, so he's got this could be the first game he dresses in. And he didn't even dress that game. His first game playing, I think it was against the Jaguars. He got burnt the entire freaking time. I thought he played better this past week against the New York Giants, but hey, against the New York Giants, I would hope you do better in that game. The New York Giants passing attack this season is nothing. It's really nothing. They have no semblance of a passing attack whatsoever. Not to mention their O-line's injured to hell and back, and Tyrod Taylor's playing. And Tyrod Taylor, I would just like to say this. You could see it on display in this game. One thing about Tyrod Taylor I always give him credit for, that dude throws a perfect, beautiful deep ball. That dude has got one of the best deep balls in the NFL. And he's not, he doesn't have the strongest arm. His arm's not an insanely, insanely strong or anything, but he has perfect touch and placement on those deep balls. It leads the receiver perfect every time. It's a perfect spiral damn near every time. That was one thing I'll give Tyro Taylor a lot of credit for is his deep ball. But back to what the original talking point was, Travis Etienne was a guy I really wanted the Bills to draft. Like back in the 2021 NFL draft, he was the guy who had the Bills drafting. Like given what his expertise was at Clemson, the ability to catch the ball in the backfield, like for all the things Urban Meyer got wrong at Jacksonville, one thing he said early on in the draft process, or not early on in the draft process, right after they drafted at the end, is that he's got receiving skills better than some of the receivers in the draft, and I would agree to that. Yes, Urban Meyer was a terrible coach in the NFL. Worst coach in NFL history. Worst coach, and then we're talking about like the Bobby Petrinos of the world. We're talking about the Nathaniel Hackett's of the world. Like, bad coach, bad, terrible coach. The terrible, no good, very bad coach, Urban Meyer. But what he got right was that Travis Etienne would be a very effective receiver. Now, not as a receiver. He's obviously a better running back than receiver, but he has that skill set to be an effective player in the slot if you want to use him that way. And for the Bills, who have been a pass-first offense the entire time Josh Allen's been in the league, barring his rookie year potentially, they needed a guy that would be able to catch the ball in the backfield. Now they got James Cook, so it's working out better, but Devin Singletary was not that kind of guy. Frank Gore was not that kind of guy. Like, their guys that they had at running back were not people that you could trust catching the ball in the backfield. I remember that it was either the Jets game or the following week. Troy, No, it was the Jets game, so it was Monday Night Football with Troy Aikman. He said, after a check down to James Cook, the Bills aren't really known for their check downs. No, they aren't. They never throw their running backs because they never had a guy capable of catching the ball, and if he did, he wasn't able to do anything after he caught it. James Cook is that kind of guy. Travis Etienne, in my opinion, would have been that guy in Buffalo. And obviously we know the New York Giants traded back with the New with because this is the fun part about the draft. This is the very fun part about the draft and the the upsetting part for some teams out there and the frustrating part for some fans as well. Like, if you remember going back to that 2021 NFL draft, we know we've talked about the Mac Jones, Trey Lance third overall pick thing numerous times the show. But another thing that kind of gets lost on people is that the Dallas Cowboys had the 10th overall pick. The Dallas Cowboys had the 10th overall pick. I don't know if you guys remember this. The top, the 10, 11, and 12 picks in the draft read Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles. 10, 11, 12. That's what, those were the picks in that draft. And if you remember what happened that year, 
the Philadelphia Eagles traded with the Dallas Cowboys to jump the New York Giants. They obviously selected Devontae Smith. How things would have changed for the New York Giants regards to the receiver position, Lord knows how big of an impact that would have been for the Giants, especially since they've had really no real number one option at wide receiver since that draft. And obviously they traded back with the Bears who took Justin Fields. They took Darius Toney, but Toney wanted out of New Jersey as soon as he got in. And now we're seeing like up and down versus Katerius Tony. We can see the potential there, but obviously the week one game where he had a thousand drops and obviously led to the pick six with Brian Branch, not necessarily the greatest start of the season, but he's got the talent. Like when he was at Florida, he was kind of using that Percy Harvin role. Like he did literally everything for Florida. He played running back, receiver, punt returner, kick returner. He could have played some quarterback if he wanted to. I think he came in as a quarterback, actually. He played some quarterback at least in high school. But man, I, I never really am a big fan of trading in division unless you're screwing over a division rival. So it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Like, who do the Cowboys hate more? Because they know the Giants want Devontae Smith. They know the Eagles want Devontae Smith. Which one would you be least upset about? And you're trading back. And you've got the guy you probably wanted. Well, it depends on what they want. Did they? I, I think they wanted Pat Sertan. Is that right? I feel like there were some reports that saying they were want Pat Sertan, who obviously went to the Denver Broncos at 9. I think that's who they wanted. That's not anything I'm remembering like perfectly, but I think that's what they wanted to do, right? But of course, they traded back with the Philadelphia Eagles, went from 10 to 12, and drafted Micah Parsons. So I think that worked out fairly well for them, trading back, getting Micah Parsons. Now, in hindsight, maybe letting Devontae Smith go to the New York Giants would have been better than allowing him to go to the Eagles because he's been very, very good for the Eagles. I believe he's a captain now. Now, given the Giants' current receiving situation, I have no doubt that he would have probably been a captain that time as well. But it's just crazy to think about that because not only did the Gi- the Eagles jumping the cow- the Giants force the Giants to trade back with the Bears, who took Adarius Tony at 20, that forced the Jacksonville Jaguars to pivot on their draft stance because remember, Urban Meyer was targeting Kadarius Tony at number 25. So you got five more picks to go, and then you get Kadarius Tony. So they didn't get him, so guess what? They took Travis Etienne. And I really liked the pick. I liked it. I was one of the few that actually liked the pick because I remember at the time everybody was pissed off because the Jaguars just had a thousand yard rusher in James Robinson, who I don't even think is on the NFL in an NFL roster anymore. At least I don't think so. I could be very wrong about that. I know he's with the Jets, he was with the Giants. He's been he's been with a few teams since Jacksonville, but never ever stuck anywhere. And a thousand yard rusher, yes, but it kind of reminded me, not to the exact same extent. But you remember when Trey Mason had a decent season with the the St. Louis Rams and they drafted Todd Gurley tenth overall. Remember that? Like, Trey Mason had about, like, 800 yards or something like that as rookie year. Had a very, was a very good running back at Auburn. Was the Heisman finalist of that. It was a Heisman finalist that year was kind of, you know, hit or miss because there was, like, eight finalists. I think Trey Mason was only brought to the Heisman ceremony just to make sure Johnny Manziel didn't come in last. I think Johnny finished seventh in the, in the Heisman race or sixth. There was a lot of people at this ceremony in New York City. I don't even remember who won that year. I think it was Jameis. Yeah, it was Jameis because it was the year after Johnny Manziel won the second freshman ever won the Heisman Trophy the following year. But drafting Trey, Todd Gurley obviously worked out for that short period of time, though Trey Manson had success with the St. Louis Rams early on in his career. Trey, or geez, Todd Gurley like goes above that. Like Trey Mason, again, how many yards did Trey? I think Trey Mason had about 800 yards rushing his rookie year. Nothing like amazing, nothing jaw-dropping, but you know, solid numbers for a rookie running back that you can definitely build on. Like, there's some rookie running backs in the NFL right now, running backs in the NFL right now that didn't have that good of rookie seasons as Trey Mason did. Yeah, so seven, 765 yards on only nine starts. That's solid numbers. Four touchdowns in the season as well. 
on a not very good Rams team, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Six and ten, eh, not terrible. For a third-round draft pick, that's not terrible. But obviously, Todd Gurley took that team to another 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 step. Obviously, won an Offensive Player of the Year. Retired super early, which is a shame. Has the knees of an 80-year-old, but was really good when he was playing. Even when he was injury prone, and when he had the knee, when his knees started failing him, like dude was still getting a decent amount of touches in fantasy. Like they'd throw him in at the one yard line, he's like a pity touchdown. He scored a touchdown, he'd be solid in fantasy. He get like 15 yards rushing. It felt like in 20 touchdowns. <laughs> that's what it felt like, anyways. I'm not saying that's exactly right, but that's kind of how I felt. And even if that's going a little extreme, because obviously James Robinson, again, 1,000-yard rusher. Trey Trey Mason was not a 1,000-yard rusher. But when you look at it from another perspective, there were a lot of really solid running back tandems in the NFL at that time. Like the Saints, I believe they had Mark Ingram there. So you had Alvin Kamara who just caught a pass for the Saints right now, got a first down. Well, I love Alvin Kamara, by the way. Alvin Kamara's a great, great running back. I love that dude as a player. But, uh... Like, they had him and Mark Ingram. Then you look at Cleveland. They had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Now, both of them are still there. (laughs) Just Kareem Hunt was not brought back until Nick Chubb got hurt. (laughs) But they're still back there. They're still back there. Like, there's been good running back tans in the NFL that can work really well together. And Etienne, being a guy that can catch the ball in the backfield, you have a lot of different ways you can use him. But Etienne got past him. He got the whole Jaguars team got past the whole Urban Meyer experiment and they're all better for it. They made the playoffs in their second year or second like the rookies anyways, like Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, they made the playoffs their next year and now they're sitting at 4 and 2, though they got absolutely blitzed by the Houston Texans, which I didn't really see coming this year. They're 4 and 2, beating the Buffalo Bills in the process. You know, you can't hate on it. Like they're playing really really well. They escaped it. They escaped Urban Meyer and now they're doing really really well. And Travis Etienne is absolutely balling out right now. Absolutely balling out right now. Again, two touchdowns in this game already. Like, he has gotten two touchdowns. <laughs> three, or wait, where is this at? Are we including receiving? To, oh, they. Oh yeah, three straight games with two touchdowns. Three straight games with two touchdowns. Had 126 yards rushing against the Bills. Like, Travis Etienne's awesome. And that's exactly why I wanted the Bills to draft him. But though I'm content with James Cook, Travis Etienne would have been an upgrade on him. In my opinion. I don't really think that's a crazy statement to say, right? But my dad at the time really liked Najee Harris. And it was easy to see why. Najee Harris was this big, brooding running back that was hurdling people. Like, remember when he hurdled a guy at Notre Dame? I think it was the college football playoff. Like, Najee Harris was a monster dude. But the Steelers, early on in the draft process, made it abundantly clear. Like, you go back all the way to the Senior Bowl. Like, they were drafting Najee Harris the entire offseason. Because what has Mike Tomlin done, or what have the Steelers done throughout their history? They have a big... Big physical running back. Like you go back to the Franco Harris days. You look at Jerome Bettis. Le'Veon Bell was a big guy as well. And Le'Veon Bell could catch the ball in the backfield. He's a very athletic running back there too. Najee Harris, being a big guy, would was able to catch the ball in the backfield. Had the ability to do so. Got better in doing that as his career at Alabama progressed. Big guy. It fit what the Steelers want, but they had no semblance of an offensive line. And his rookie year, Najee Harris helped me go all the way to the championship game in fantasy. I had a damn near perfect season, choked in the championship game because the guy I was playing had freaking Justin Jackson in the championship game, and he went off. <laughs> it was one of those late season, like last year. I had Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon pretty much carried me to the championship. It's always those random-ass players that carry you to fantasy football glory. But Najee Harris was insane at Alabama. In his rookie year, it wasn't like anything jaw-dropping or anything. It was a good, good rookie year. Good rookie year. If I remember correctly, I don't think he put up like any... Insane. I think he made a Pro Bowl? Yeah, he made the Pro Bowl his rookie year. 
But you look at his numbers, rookie, like 1,200 yards rushing, seven touchdowns. Solid numbers. Solid numbers. 3.9 yards a carry. You know, you'd want that upped, but you know, it's fine. But I remember that pick got kind of lambasted at the time as well. So both running backs that were taken in the first round kind of had their negative draws to it. The Steelers wasn't the fact that they had a running back that they thought was better than Najee. No, they were fine with Najee being the running back. The fact was they had no offensive line. If I remember correctly, that was the same offseason. The Steelers let go of pretty much every starter they had in the O-line. Like you saw Villanueva leave. You saw DeCastro leave. You saw Filer leave. You saw Pouncey leave. At least I think you saw Pouncey leave. He could have stayed there that offseason. Like you, you saw a lot of people leave, and nobody really brought in to replace these key starters that have been there for many, many years. So you have a good running back. He's only as good sometimes as he's off the line, unless he's a transcendent player. And sometimes you can get lucky and get those transcendent players who are able to go past their bad off the line. But most of the time, a running back, to be good, needs a good off the line. That goes for a lot of things. An off the line needs to be a cohesive unit, and you could go very far at whatever position you are. A quarterback, running back, even wide receivers need a good off the line. Like, you just need a solid off the line, and the Steelers didn't have that. They never really addressed it that season. Najee Harris still got 1,200 yards. So that next season, you were expecting him to take another jump. Like, oh, man, 1,200 yards rushing, seven touchdowns his rookie year. And then the next season, you get the same number of touchdowns, but the carries go down, the yards go down, the yards per rush go down. Like, everything went down. The receptions went down a lot. The yards went down. Touchdowns stayed the same, and fumbles went up. He fumbled zero times his rookie year, fumbled three times, lost two of them his second year in the NFL. And then now, we kind of talked about it, I think it was the early, It was either earlier this week or two weeks ago, I can't remember. He is a shell of what he was at that point in time. And I brought up the Melvin Gordon situation, where you got Austin Eckler there, this no-name guy wearing number 30, with a big-time first-round running back who's an absolute beast in college. Melvin Gordon was insane at Wisconsin, Najee Harris was insane at Alabama. Austin Eckler and uh, Jalen Warren, no one really cared about when they were going to the Chargers and Steelers. To be honest, you have a first-round draft pick. Melvin Gordon's picked 15th. The Chargers traded up to get Melvin Gordon. The Steelers got Najee Harris at 24. Like, these are insane picks. Like, Najee Harris last year at Alabama led the NCAA with 26 touchdowns, rushing the ball. Also led the NCAA in yards per yards in scrimmage. Almost 1,900 yards of total offense for Najee Harris with 30 touchdowns. Like, the potential was there. It was there, and then now it's just gone. I don't know. I don't know if Matt Canada has completely sucked it out of him, but good lord, Najee Harris does not look like that guy we saw at Alabama. He doesn't look like that guy we saw his rookie year. And the Steelers' offensive lines got better. <laughs> like you would think, he would just continue to get better and better, but he hasn't. He looks slow. He looks very, very slow. And the reason I'm bringing up Najee Harris and Travis Etienne is the fact I was on Twitter today, as I normally am, and it was a Steelers post, a Steelers page. It was called Pickensburg. That was what the, that's the Twitter name. Quick, Pickensburg, like Pittsburgh, George Pickens, you know, creative, creative stuff over there in Pittsburgh. Unfortunate, but true take. You can take five seconds to guess based on what we've talked about, what this unfortunate, but true take is. Najee Harris is a bust for a first round draft pick. Would you agree with that statement? Would you agree with that? Say, I don't know if I'm ready to say that yet, but that being said, he has looked bad this year. It doesn't help that Travis Etienne, who just caught a pass out of the backfield, I tripped. It looked like he was going to pick up a first down. But it doesn't help that Travis Etienne, like we talked about with Najee, where he had that great 1,200-yard, seven-touchdown rookie season, and he's gotten worse. Not, Travis Etienne has gotten better each year he's been in the NFL. Like He's looking great right now. He was good last year. Had his moments rookie year. 
Or is, is, wait, no, he had Liz Frank injury his rookie year. So second year, last year, so I remember I drafted him, and that same night was ironically Jaguars Saints. It was preseason football, though. I drafted Travis Etienne in fantasy, and then I were on, I'm at Spencer's house, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden I see Travis Etienne out for season Liz Frank injury. Like, ah, oh, it's awesome. So last year, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Last year, battled, had battle with James Robinson early, but ended up getting a thousand yards rushing. And then this year, at least I think. Hold on, I got. I should check myself before I start saying things like that. <laughs> I'm pretty confident he got a thousand yards rushing, right? Yeah, eleven hundred yards rushing. Yeah, 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 we're good, we're good. Five point one yards of carry though. Five point one yards of carry. Tanaji Harris is three point nine for his first year in the NFL. This is te- this is technically Travis Etienne's first season. When he only started 12 games. Didn't really play a lot early on in his career, Jacksonville, when he came back from injury. Because, obviously, you're trying to ease him back into it. Liz Frank injury is a season-ending injury. It's not an easy injury to necessarily come back from. So they had to ease him back into it. But once he got eased fully into it, dude went off. And he's getting better. He get played good last year, got better as the season progressed last year, and has been really, really good this year, as we talked about. Three straight games with two-plus touchdowns rushing the ball. And we're not even at halftime yet. The, t- the touchdown total could keep going up in this game. And so comparing that to Travis to Najee Harris, it's I don't want to say bust. Bust's a little rich at this point. Like you could say that with a lot of players in this 2021 NFL draft. Because this 21 draft was supposed to be fairly solid, especially from the quarterback position. There's kick catch interference. Yep, there's two flags. <laughs> but yeah, Najee Harris is a bust. Do you agree with that statement? I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do because he was really good his rookie year. I know there's more games and more games to be played and more stats to be had after your rookie year and you're supposed to improve, and he hasn't, but bust? Like, I get thinking of some first-round draft picks that have been bust that have put up way less numbers than Najee Harris has. I understand he's not playing good, but he dude still had back-to-back two, uh, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons. For being a quote-unquote bust, that's pretty solid. It's not great, but given the circumstance of having them having no off to line and not really knowing how to call an offense... I think that's solid. And he's at threat of losing his starting job. I'm aware of that. And then once he loses, then we can have that conversation. But right now, it's close. It's close. I, I He does look like a snail running the ball. And then a Browns fan chimed in, said, fun fact, fifth round pick Jerome Ford has more rushing yards than Najee Harris this year. Not for a career, obviously, just this year. Funner fact, or funnier fact, as Pickenberg said, Deshaun Watson is overpaid. Yeah, yeah, we know that. We know that. Especially coming off of not playing for an entire season. That's kind of crazy how much money he got paid. But still, over is he a bust? Would you would you sit there and go Najee Harris bust? Like it's rough watching him play right now, though. It is rough. It is very, very rough watching him play. Cause there's running backs again that put up less numbers than Najee Harris in the first round. What did Cadillac Williams get in his career? That might be coming off as a casual here, but I don't think Cadillac Williams put up really ridiculous numbers in the NFL. And he was drafted in the top 10. Yeah, yeah, 1,000-yard season. Cadillac Williams played in the NFL from 05 to 2011, had 1,000-yard season. That was a rookie year. He never got over 900 yards after that. So is Cadillac, would you consider Cadillac Williams? Because Najee Harris is over double... He's got about just over half, I should say, of Cadillac Williams' yards. 
And he only had, well, I'm just looking at last year's stats for Travis, for, for uh, Najee Harris. But if you're just talking about last year and the year before, he has 14 touchdowns. Kyle Williams only had 12 or 21. Good Lord. I don't, Bust is kind of, he hasn't had a touchdown this year, Najee. And I haven't started him a lot in fantasy this year. But Bust, Bust, like, I think it's still a little too early about that. And you can look at, like, the 2021 NFL draft. It's going to be a much talked about draft class, mostly because of the fact there were three quarterbacks taken in the first three picks. And only one of them has a job full time. Like Zach Wilson, yes, is the starter for the New York Jets. Zach Wilson only has the job because Aaron Rodgers snapped his Achilles in the fourth play of the game week one. Like that's the only reason he's still starting in New York or New Jersey. Sorry. But Trevor Lawrence looks good. Trevor Lawrence looks very good. Trey Lance, obviously, is the second slash third string quarterback in Dallas. I don't know what he is. I think he's the third string, technically, because I think Cooper Rush went in against the 49ers. But I like Trey Lance. I want to see Trey Lance succeed. And maybe he gets a chance after this season. Who the hell knows? But then you look at those three picks. Only one of them panned out. One of them's a backup, or both of them are backups. One of them got beat out by Mr. Relevant. And that was kind of funny. Speaking of that, the Jaguars, until the game started, or until pregame warmups, I guess, there was question marks if Trevor Lawrence was going to play in this game. So we were going to have a potential C.J. Beathard game tonight. We were so close to having a C.J. Beathard NFL game, which we haven't seen in a while. As a starter. As a starter. Going to the game as a starter. That would have been beautiful. So we have two quarterbacks from the state of Iowa starting in the NFL. They went to the two big schools in Iowa. And it would be even funnier. It was way less of a chance that this happens because Kyle Shanahan's very peculiar of what he wants with his quarterback, so he's not afraid to pull the trigger if a guy is not exactly what he's looking for. Doug Peterson, a little more lenient. Like, he had success with Carson. He had success with Nick Foles, has, is having success with Trevor Lawrence. So, would we have seen a potential situation where a guy from the state of Iowa beats out a guy who's a top three pick in the 2021 NFL draft? Would we have seen that? Could that have happened? I remember C.J. Beathard was a third-round draft pick. I think that gets lost in some people. C.J. Beathard was drafted before George Kittle. Same draft. George Kittle was a fifth-round draft pick. C.J. Beathard, third-round draft pick. I like C.J. Beathard. Love C.J. Beathard. Loved him at his time at Iowa. I brought this up before. I think C.J. Beathard was the only guy at Iowa, quarterback-wise, that has never received any flack from the fans. Because I think C.J. Beathard, I think he epitomized what everybody wants a quarterback to be. Just super tough. Super tough. I remember bringing it, watching the game against Minnesota where his knee brace exploded on the field and they had to put it back all together. He looked like a freaking hockey goalie out there with all the pads he had. But we'll get to the Iowa-Minnesota game later in the show. But I want to keep talking about this 2021 NFL draft because it keeps getting more interesting the more you go on. Fourth overall, Kyle Pitts. Like, potential-wise, he's a beast. He's absolutely insane. But his rookie year, he only had one touchdown his rookie year. And what's even funnier slash sadder about that fact is the fact that he caught it in London. It took him a whole year to get a touchdown in the end, a touchdown in, the, in America. It took a whole year. It's like the Jaguars. It took him a whole year, over a year, to get a tu- get a win in the United States. Because remember, their only win with not Urban Meyer. Who was the coach before Urban Meyer? I'm completely blank. Who was the coach before Urban Meyer? Who was it? Doug Marone, Bill's legend. Doug Marone. When Doug Marone was the head coach of the Jaguars, they got their first one of the season against the, Jag- against the Indianapolis Colts. Lost every game after that. The next season, the hire Urban Meyer, they lose the first few games of the season, they beat the Dolphins in London. It doesn't. It goes until they beat the Bills in Jacksonville till like, I think it's October or November, where they finally get their first win in the United States. 
And it's over a year. <laughs> that was kind of like Kyle Pitts. Arthur Smith just doesn't know how to use him. Arthur Smith is kind of like Kyle Shanahan in a sense. He's got a set way. No matter how many talented players you put around him, he has got a set way, and he is going to go that way, do or die. Like Trey Lance had the potential to elevate Kyle Shanahan's offense. He gets a guy in Brock Purdy, which is exactly what he's looking for. He's going to play Brock Purdy over the guy they drafted third overall. Not only that, traded up to get. And you look at all the things that led to the Dolphins to get, and then you could go like, if they didn't get good, if they didn't get lucky, and it's the old saying, better be lucky than good. If they didn't get lucky by getting Purdy, we'd be looking at that draft completely different than what we do now. It's like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. And you look at Arthur Smith, the Falcons, they had Drake London. They had Kyle Pitts. You wouldn't know they were both top 10 picks in the draft, but they were. <laughs> Drake London was the next year, drafted eighth overall. First receiver taken in the draft. And they'd barely use him. He scored a touchdown last week. Kyle Pitts got his first touchdown of the season last week. Of course, now he's not on my team. But potential-wise, Kyle Pitts is insane. I remember he was the generational prospect in regards to tight ends. And the Falcons just don't use him because Arthur Smith's a run-first head coach. He's a run-first guy. He wants to pound the rock. They built the team on the offensive line in the running game. Like, his quarterback sucks. Doesn't matter he's bad. And he guess what? He does not give two shits because they're just going to keep running the ball. <laughs> they got Tra- Tyler Algier. They got Bijan Robinson. They got Cordero Patterson. Like, they're solid just running the football the entire time. They got a good off the line. They'll be good. And Kyle Pitts is not a blocking tight end. That's what John U. Smith is. And John U. Smith is running fairly similar routes at a fairly similar clip as Kyle Pitts is, which is insane to think about. Absolutely insane. And then fifth overall, Jamar Chase, at the time, was seen as crazy pit because... Oh, they can't, but you need Panay Sewell, who Panay Sewell's been turning into a very, very good player in the NFL. But that's a situation where the Bengals were right. And I had them taking Jamar Chase. I defended the pick at the time and go back and listen to the old shows. I feel confident with that pick. I feel I know the Bengals have had some struggles in the odds line. I know Joe Burrow's had some injuries, but Jamar Chase is freaking awesome. And we'll get to something else I want to talk about with Jamar Chase here in a little bit. But Jamar Chase is awesome. Top three receiver in the NFL. Top four on a bad day. Top five on a bad day. Number six, Jalen Waddle, Baller. I defended this pick too. Took a little bit of flag for saying he was better than Devontae Smith. I do think he's better than Devontae Smith. It's close. But I, do, I would take Jalen Waddle over Devontae Smith. I think it's very, very close. And then Penny Sewell at number seven, good player. J.C. Horn, went healthy, good player. Patrick Tan, good player. Just on a very bad team, but he's quote-unquote untradeable. Devontae Smith, really good player. Very good player. He's a number two wide receiver, but he's kind of in that T. Higgins mold where he'd be a number one receiver on almost every other team in the NFL, barring about five or six of them. Like, hey, it's no shame to be the number two receiver behind A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's a freaking beast. Number 11, Justin Fields. This falls in a similar category what we were talking about earlier. Potential-wise, could be very, very good. Very, very good. But guess what? We don't know. <laughs> That's the main thing. We have no idea how good Justin Fields is. Do you know how good Justin Fields is? So I sure as hell don't know how good Justin Fields is. We're talking about the Bears going in a completely different direction at quarterback this offseason. And Lord knows if that happens. If they get a number one overall pick, it looks very likely that they'll do it. It's kind of like in a, uh, a little lesser extent because he's obviously a first over. He's a first round draft pick, a top 15 pick in the draft. A completely different scenario to that of Gardner Minshew. But like when the Jaguars sucked ass, Gardner Minshew was losing his job. Once the Jaguars got the word that they were going to get the number one pick, uh, it's like, uh, sorry, Trevor. Or sorry, tr- sorry, Gardner. You're you're not winning this job. 
You're not. And Urban Meyer tried to drag that shit out as long as possible. There was no, there was no battle there. Everybody knew who was going to start that team, lead that team out week one. It was obviously going to be Trevor Lawrence, and it has been Trevor Lawrence ever since. And Justin Fields could be in a similar situation where it's, hey, Justin, uh, you've got, you've got potential. You're good. You're a big dude. You got a good arm. You're mobile. But we're taking Caleb Williams. And we'll talk about Caleb Williams here in a little bit. But that could be one of those situations. Because they they're going to get an all-new coach. Whether it's Jim Harbaugh, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Or Lincoln Riley. Or Ben. Uh, uh, ben uh, what? Wow. Why am I? Ben Johnson. Whether it's those guys. Who knows? They're going to get a new head coach, new quarterback. At least that's what I'm hoping. Do not keep Iberflus this offseason. Break the cycle. Break the cycle. Get a new head coach. Get the new quarterback. Just break the cycle. And then you got 12 Michael Parsons. He turned out to be all right. Rashawn Slater, 13 in Chargers. He turned out to be all right when he's healthy. Elijah Barrett Tucker, when he's healthy, he's a good player too. Just snapped his Achilles again. Back-to-back years in Denver, he had Achilles injuries. I think it was Achilles injuries. Uh, 15, Mac Jones, Pro Bowler. This is the legitimacy of the Pro Bowl coming to the question here because Mac Jones, if he was in a better situation, would be a very good quarterback, I think. Or not very good. Very good's a little, little far. But good quarterback. Again, we brought this up last show or the two shows ago or however long it was. Like, Mac Jones had an office that was led by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, a special teams coordinator and a defensive coordinator co-calling offensive plays. And we're wondering why the Patriots' offense sucks. And they brought in Bill O'Brien this offseason. They brought in no receivers apart from Juju, but they basically just swapped Juju with Jacoby or Jacoby Myers for Juju, which is a downgrade. Like, they brought in Mike Gusecki, but the Patriots' own line's not very good. They brought in Zeke. I know he played well last week, but God, it's Zeke. It's not the same Zeke as rookie year. It's not the same. I don't make that doesn't make any sense at all. Patriots will always be solid defensively. I like Chris Gonzalez though he's hurt. Had a very good start to the season before he ended the season on IR. But Mac Jones, he's his time in New England's probably done as well. And we'll see if they if Belichick stays or if he retires or something. I don't know, but. Yeah, Matt Jones could have been better, situation been better, but yeah, Pro Bowler. Cardinal Zayvon Collins, he's had some solid moments. Zayvon Collins had some solid moments throughout his Cardinals career. Didn't start off the greatest, didn't start off the greatest, but he played well last year. He's had a decent start to the season this year for a bad Cardinals team. Alex Leatherwood, um, yeah, he's on the Cleveland Browns now on their offseason practice squad and or practice squad. That was a reach at the time. And that's what the Raiders do, especially in the Gruden-Mayock era, was reach on guys. Big school guys reach on, like, Cleveland Furl going fourth overall. Alex Leatherwood, Damon Arnett, like, these types of guys. Why are we taking these guys so freaking high? And Alex Leatherwood was another one of those guys. Like, Christian Darisaw was right there, who has turned out to be a very good tackle in the NFL. He went to 23 to the Minnesota Vikings, who traded back to get Christian Darisaw. I didn't think that would happen, and the Raiders took Alex Leatherwood. Not surprising. Miami, Jalen Phillips, good pass rusher. He was hurt when they played the Bills, but overall good player. Washington, Jamin Davis. Eh, not the greatest. Not the greatest player of all time, but solid. And at least in college, he was very solid. This last year at Kentucky, very good year. But I, you just don't hear a lot about Jamin Davis in the NFL. If he's better than what I'm saying he is, I apologize for that, but I just don't think he's that great. Uh, Kadarius Tony, we've talked about him before, has potential. Could be a very good player, but injuries have been his downfall this, this part of his career. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, Quiddy Pay. Couldn't tell you a whole lot, to be honest. I liked him at Michigan. Didn't put up a ton of production. Was ne- didn't really play a lot his last year at Michigan. 
But, you know, solid player. Athletic freak. That's why the Colts drafted him in the first round. I like him, but I couldn't really tell you a whole lot about him. Caleb Farley, I remember him getting drafted because this was the COVID draft. Or not the COVID draft. The 2020 draft was COVID draft. But Caleb Farley got COVID before the draft. So Caleb Farley drafted by himself. He was in on a Zoom call in like a room all by his freaking self. <laughs> oh my goodness. But he battled a lot of injuries at Virginia Tech. He's battled some injuries so far in the NFL. Could be a good player, just can't stay healthy. Uh, Christian Darisaw, we already talked about him at 23. The Vikings, very, very good player. Uh, Najee Harris, 24. Had moments. Again, are we are we in the bust category for Najee Harris? Travis at the end looked really good this year. Very, very good player. Greg Newsome has had some moments. Had some moments. Part of the really a really good pass defense in the Cleveland Browns. Is what you want to see. They drafted a lot of corners recently. At least then that that stretch. Like you look at Denzel Ward, you look at Greedy Williams, you look at uh Greg Newsome from Northwestern. You got Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU in there as well. Like they drafted a lot of secondary pieces around that time. Rashad Bateman. Could be good. Like, you'd hope he'd be better than what he is. I remember they drafted him because of his speed and his run-blocking ability, and he just hasn't stayed healthy. He has started nine games in his NFL career. He just can't stay healthy. That's the reason the Ravens drafted Save Flowers. That's why they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. That's why they brought in Nelson Aguilar. That's why they're making all these moves at wide receiver because Bateman just hasn't proven anything. Uh, New Orleans Saints, Peyton Turner. This was seen as kind of a crazy pick at the time, kind of a reach at the time. And it hasn't really panned out up to this point. He's not really done a whole lot throughout his time in the NFL. Um, Packers, Eric Stokes, fast as hell. Fast as hell. Starter when healthy. Solid corner. Nothing amazing, but fast as hell. Uh, Greg Rousseau going number 30. I like Greg Rousseau. Continues to get better. Continues to get better. Very solid player. Very long player. Starts every game for Buffalo. Opposite Von Miller. Mostly Leonard Floyd this year, but good player. I like him. Adafi Owe. Jason Oway from Penn State. It, this was a kind of an interesting pick because he had zero sacks his last year at Penn State. Zero sacks. That is, that's pretty crazy. But we talked about his athletic ceiling at the time. We said, hey, he could grow into that. He's got the potential. He's got the ceiling to become a very good pass rusher in the NFL. I'm not worried about his college production right now because remember, Daniel Hunter at LSU did not have the greatest last season at LSU. He turned out to be pretty all right in the NFL. Adafi Oway, very athletic. Hasn't done a whole lot up to this point. And then uh, Joe Tryon Shainka for the Tampa Buccaneers. Solid player. Solid player. Last pick of the draft. I like him out of Washington. Solid player. But this draft's such a mixed bag because there's a lot of players where you're like, man, they could be good. They could be good given the right opportunities like Kyle Pitts. Like Mac Jones, I think, could be better than what he is right now. Though, yes, he made a Pro Bowl. Justin Fields could be another one in there. There's a few players that could be a lot better given better opportunities. Maybe Trey Lance. Who hasn't really been given an opportunity in the NFL. Like he got hurt, snapped his ankle, never seen a field again. Done. Just absolutely done. Well, there was like a rumor going around during the preseason that they were calling plays to absolutely screw him over. So I don't know. Who the hell knows what went on with that situation, but he's in Dallas now. Hopefully he gets another opportunity in the NFL here in the coming years. Lord knows. Lord knows what will happen with that situation. But I do want to stay on the topic of the NFL draft because Caleb Williams is a story that will be going on every single... Oh, Trevor Lawrence just threw a pick. Is that Marshawn Lattimore? Yes, it is. Very good interception. 34 seconds left in the second quarter, though. We'll see how they're... If the Saints are able to do anything on offense, if they're able to drive down the field or just kneel it out. You know, that's probably what they're going to do. I don't know. You got a defensive-minded head coach in Dennis Allen. Probably just kneel it out, but I don't know. 
But Caleb Williams is something that's going to be talked about every single day. Every day is going to be dominated by Caleb Williams because, remember, everybody keeps talking him up and hyping him up as the can't-miss prospect, as the generational prospect. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you know how much I hate that term. Generational prospect, can't-miss prospect, no bust potential, all that stuff, I absolutely hate it. Because going to the wrong situation, anybody can be a bust. Because it's crazy. Like, when you're sitting there watching the NFL draft, they're hyping up all these players. And you can go back and look at certain drafts and watch these, like, highlight tapes, like, pre-draft stuff, combines, watch all these players. And you know what's crazy? Not every player they show is going to turn out to be an NFL player. Like, a really good NFL player. Like, they're going to be an NFL player, but not turn into an NFL player, if that makes any sense. They're not going to be solid. There's going to be some bad players they show in those lists. Like, there just are. That's just the fact of the matter is. It's just going to happen. Like, they're hyping up, like... Watching back, they have the whole... Some of these drafts are all on YouTube. You can go back and watch them all. Like, the 2018 NFL draft's one that's really funny because it's the year of the quarterback. The year of the quarterback. That was the draft, obviously, of Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson going last pick of the first round. That was that draft. But you go into that draft, you wouldn't see anything of Lamar Jackson, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, the guy who would be the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. No, what you would see was Josh Rosen. What you would see is Sam Darnold. Oh, that's not an interception. Never mind. Hit the ground. So that'll be Jaguars' ball. Trevor Lawrence got bailed out there. Ball hit the ground. So you get all these players that are going to be super hyped up going to the draft. Not all of them are going to work out. Not all of them are going to pan out. Some of it goes down to talent. Some of that goes down to work ethic. Some of that goes down to the situation they're placed in. Like if Trevor Lawrence, I brought this up a, a few times, if Trevor Lawrence stayed with Urban Meyer, if Urban Meyer was allowed to play or stay for one more year or two more years, God forbid, Trevor Lawrence would be in the similar situation what we're talking about with Justin Fields. Like, oh man, do they need to go after another quarterback this season? Do they need to have a conversation about them moving on from Trevor Lawrence? Now, I thought Trevor Lawrence was better than Justin Fields coming out anyways, but still, conversation would have been had. Nobody's guaranteed to be a success in the NFL. Nothing is guaranteed in the NFL. It's one of the most cutthroat businesses in the sports. And just in the world, it's one of the most cutthroat businesses, especially when it comes to quarterback position. Sure, there are players that have all the skill set and the potential, skyrocket and all that stuff, but if they go to a bad team, bad coach, bad atmosphere, bad everything, there's a chance they don't work out. And you hate to think like that, but that's the reality. That's the sad reality of sports and the NFL in general. It's not always going to work out. So I don't like when people just randomly throw around generational and can't miss and bust, and no, no bust potential and all that stuff. I hate when people throw, in the same breath, I hate when people throw around the word bust so early. That's why I'm kind of like iffy on the, the Najee Harris thing. Brandon McManus just made a field goal from 43 yards out, 17-6 with 32 seconds left for the Jaguars. That's why it makes me like a little concerned when people start going, is Najee Harris a bust? His, second, his third year in the NFL. It makes a little nervous. Makes me a little nervous, doesn't it? Now, I do think the third year is around the time you kind of figure out who they are in the NFL. Now, obviously, there's late bloomers and everything, but third year's usually where you like, okay, especially with quarterbacks, that's who you are. That's who you're going to be. Like you have people that are in terrible situations that you see, like, uh, oh, he's got an arm, he's got he's got mobility, he's got size, but it's kind of like Mariota was kind of that guy. He was like, uh, it's just what it's what you are. You're solid, nothing great, and yeah, that's why he's bounced around a few times. Back up in Vegas, he went down to Atlanta, was a starter there, became a backup there, left the team, and now he's a backup in Philly. Like it just happens. But Caleb Williams, generational prospect. We went over that whole list the other day 
of quarterbacks that we would take Caleb Williams over right now. And again, it's going to be something that pops up every single day because you don't get these type of prospects every year. Yes, Trevor Lawrence was one. Andrew Luck was another one. John Elway. Like, there's quarterbacks that you just look at and go, like, yeah, this guy's going to be good. There are things, obviously, that can scare me about Caleb Williams. And I brought them up numerous times in the show. That's why we talk about Drake May possibly overtaking him at some point throughout the draft process. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I'm not saying that's what it's going to be. But the new thing around Caleb Williams right now, and I knew this wasn't real. I I shouldn't say I know it's not real. There's every chance the world this could be real. But there's one little bit in here that kind of, um, I don't know what you want to call it, that... Oh, Derek Carr just fumbled. And (laughs) we have, is that Cam Irving? Is Cam Irving on the Saints? Is he still kicking it in the NFL? I was not aware of that, that, if that is Cam Irving. It looks like it's Cam Irving. Crazy. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, Cam Irving. But one thing that delegitimizes this article, or I guess not even an article, but uh, there was an article. I didn't take the time to actually click on it, but the gist of the article is all over Twitter. Report, USC quarterback Caleb Williams wants partial ownership from NFL team that will select him in the 2024 NFL draft per, this is the key part, pro football focus. That's what delegitimizes this entire thing. The pro football talk, or pro football talk, not pro football focus, sorry. Pro football talk, this show, which Chris Sims and uh, Mike Florio is pretty much dedicated to taking nothing and turning it into something. I have no idea how true this story is, but I know if Pro Football Talk's talking about it, the chances of it being 100% true, I don't really think are true. They like to blow up a lot of things. I don't know where this even came from. I haven't done any digging with it. But PFT reported in July that Caleb's representatives have been making it known that Williams wants partial ownership of the team that selects him in 24 NFL draft. He can pledge to the draft. Additionally, Aaron Rodgers also attempted to secure equity during his contract discussion with the Jets, but the NFL stopped stepped in to say that isn't happening. So just fun fact, you cannot be an owner of a team and play in the NFL. That just can't happen. Tom Brady, when he just got his partial ownership of the Las Vegas Raiders approved, which was like last week, he can no longer return to the NFL. It's done. He can't return anymore. You cannot own a team and play in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes has talked about it. Like, you can't do it. It's It's part of the rules of the NFL. You cannot do it. So that's what also makes me think this isn't true. Now, Caleb Williams could be one of those quote-unquote barnstormers for the NFL that players get ownership of teams now, but that's not happening. It's not happening. I don't think it's a true story. I don't think it would ever happen. And if it does, good on Caleb Williams. If a team's really that that desperate enough to get Caleb Williams first overall and they want to offer ownership to a player, then yeah, go ahead and do that. You do that. If it's the Bears, it's if it's whoever, that's fine. Go ahead. If you want to do that, more power to you, brother. That's all I can say. No dis, no dissing for me about you owning an NFL franchise or partially owning an NFL franchise. As far as I've been made aware, that can't happen. You cannot own an NFL team and play in the NFL. That was the, what was big about Tom Brady getting this partial ownership thing. And then today, today, We've got more, Caleb. That was coming a couple days ago. That was like right after I stopped recording on Wednesday or Tuesday. Today's Thursday. It's October 19th. It's 8.46 on October 19th. And it's halftime now. The Jaguars, are, the Saints just ended up running out the clock after Derek Carr got strip sacked. But this quote from today. So I don't know if you saw this after the Notre Dame-USC game. Notre Dame obviously stormed the field. A couple fans ran up to Williams and took a picture with him and said, hey, show me your nails or something like that. Like trying to troll him. Caleb Williams... 
I love when Twitter accounts do this. Caleb Winters clapped in all all caps back at Notre Dame fans who heckled him after his law after their loss. And here's the quote. And I watched the video. He did say this. I watched the video. I mean, everybody wants to be in these these two uh, these two twelve and a half shoes right here. I wear twelves, so I, I can imagine what twelve and a half shoes feel like. I'm not worried about some kid running onto the field that doesn't have anything that's really associated with Notre Dame other than possibly family going there or him going there themselves, himself. Got a lot of guys over here that I'm trying to lead, so some opinion of sheep, lions don't worry about that stuff. I always hate that quote, lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. I always think that's a dumb quote, but the, minus that, that's fine. I have no issue with that. I, I always the lion sheep quotes just really cringy. That's that's my big takeaway from the lions. She, lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. That's eh, cringe. But the rest of it, yeah, I agree with. Does it matter if those two fans ran up to him and heckled him? No, I don't think Caleb Williams necessarily cares. He got asked a question and he answered the question. Now I saw a lot of people saying, "Man, that's so arrogant that he says a lot of people want to be these twelve and a half inch shoes or whatever." I guarantee there are. There are. Be a millionaire in college, get guaranteed to draft first overall when you go to the draft. Yeah. Or damn near guaranteed to get drafted first overall when you go to the draft. Yeah, there's a lot of people that would like to be in that situation. So you can call it arrogance. You can call it confidence. You can call it cocky. You can call it whatever you want. It's true. It's damn true. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. He's got not as good of a chance now as he did a couple weeks ago to win the Heisman Trophy, but he has a chance, nonetheless, to be the second ever two-time Heisman Trophy winner of all time. That's happened one other time. So yeah, there's a lot of people that would like to be in his shoes right now. But I understand where people are coming from where that you don't need to say it, especially the way he said it. Kind of rubs some people the wrong way, but I don't necessarily have an issue with it. It doesn't really matter. And then the other thing that popped with Caleb Williams today. So again, it's going to be something that gets brought up every single day. Um, this was a, a Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, and USC's Caleb Williams are two of 20 semi finalists for the Jason Witten College Collegiate Man of the Year Award given the player demonstrates a record and I screen a record of good leadership I, I can't read the rest of it. I did it screenshot the whole thing. But uh, then somebody, I, lo- I love that this has become a thing now, but he said, hmm. Like you could, he doesn't have the emoji, but like you could see like, hmm, hmm. Might be a close call, but I refer to these two videos to determine the leadership qualities of each player. Snippet from ESPN and NBC Sports. One of them is Sam Hartman going up to Riley Leonard after the Duke win. When Riley Leonard had a high ankle sprain, Riley, um, Sam Hartman went up to check on him. Great video. Great stuff. I appreciate and respect Sam Hartman for doing that. The other video is Caleb Williams getting upset on the sideline after they're getting their asses clapped by Notre Dame. When did this become a thing where we have to get make some big-ass story out of players being upset on the sideline when they're losing? Why? I was talking to my dad about this today. It popped in my head when I was at lunch because that's when I saw it. I was sitting there. I was like, when, why is this becoming a thing? Like, I don't know if this is new to some people out there. Players are allowed to have emotion. And when you're ultra competitive, you are the height of your sport. Like, at the collegiate level, you're playing at USC, one of the biggest programs in college football. You are a Heisman Trophy winner. You are an ultra competitive individual that does not want to lose. USC is known for winning. You want to go to a national championship. You want to win a Heisman. You want to do all that stuff. So you're getting your cheap Cheeks clapped against Notre Dame on national television. You've had three interceptions. Yeah, you're going to be frustrated. They're not robots. Like, I see this all the time with Stefan Diggs. When he gets mad on the sideline. When he's mad at himself for running a wrong route or not having a great break on a route. 
people are quick to jump on and say Diggs is a terrible person, terrible teammate, all that. There's videos of Peyton Manning screaming at Jeff Saturday. There's players screaming at players all the time on the sidelines. It just so happens that Caleb Williams is the most recognized player in football right now. Regardless if you watch NFL or college, everybody knows who Caleb Williams is. It doesn't matter if you've watched him religiously or not. Everybody knows who Caleb Williams is. He's going to have a camera on him every second. So he's going to be upset when his team is getting clapped by 28 points on the road against a team they beat the season before. And the loss was coming. Like, again, I have i don't know if I've told this story here before. And it, given how all this has been taken from Caleb Williams, I wouldn't be surprised if people look at me different after this. But intramural football, and I, this is not the same level at all. Intramural football at UNI versus playing collegiately at, at USC, playing against Notre Dame, yeah, it's a little bit different. But I like to think of myself as a competitive individual. I don't want to lose. I'm not like insanely insane. Like every single thing I do, I have to win. No, like we're playing soccer. Like me and two of the people that we play with have played soccer ever in their lives. I guess three, but one of them didn't play in high school, only played really rec. But for the most part, me and two other people played soccer all throughout high school. Apart from those two, and sometimes only one of them shows up, apart from those two, no one else we play with plays soccer. I'm not out there going full bore every single time. It's not serious. It's just us kicking a ball around having fun. We're playing basketball. I'm not good at basketball. I'm fast and I can pass. That's literally all I can do on a basketball court. I can kind of somewhat defend. That's it. But I'm not sitting there getting pissed off if I missed a shot and doing all that stuff. No, I'll just move on. It's just laughing. We're having a good time. But if I'm playing, like, you know, if I'm just playing football in the backyard or something, that's different. But if we're playing against other people we don't know and we're going to compete for something, like, in regards to just having fun for it, I understand, like, we play pickup football at the, the, the Unidome every once in a while. And that was fun. Like, we would just be goofing around. But once we get into an actual game situation, then we're competitive. Then it starts to get a little competitive. So when we're going out there, and your, your goal is to win. When you're playing these types of games, your goal is to obviously you have fun. And you're laughing with your friends. It's nothing like insanely serious, but you want to win. And there was one time we were playing intramural football at UNI in the Unidome. And Noah, who we brought up on the show before, was running this out route. Very nice out route. He'd line up on the line of scrimmage. He'd wait till the defenders go back because I would either run or try to hit someone in the intermediate routes. And Noah would check down. I'd hit it to him. It'd pick up a lot of yards after the catch. Like, if you've watched USC at all this year, USC runs a lot of RPOs where they fake to the running back or give to the running back, and there's a receiver in the flat. Williams rolls out slightly, hits the receiver in the flat, picks up about 10 yards after the play, 5, 10 yards after it. That was kind of what Noah was doing with this, where he'd get out, fake block, go out, catch a pass, get 5, 10 yards. And we did it like three or four times in a row. And I was like, dude, just keep doing that. It's perfect. Just keep doing that. And one play just out of nowhere, he stopped doing it. And that was my first read. So I was like, oh, shit, where the hell do I go now? And he wasn't there as the check down either. So when the play broke down, it was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? So I kind of, and it's not great, but I got I got a little upset. I got upset. I did, I did not mince words. I didn't, like, curse him out or anything. It's like, you're terrible and all that. No, we didn't do that. But I was like, what are you doing? Something along those lines. Like, if you're in a competitive situation, and this is just intramural football, and you're a slightly competitive person in a game like that where you're trying to win something, no matter what it is, you're trying to win something. It's not just bragging rights with your friends. It's, it's different. And you're competing against someone else for a prize or something. I'm going to be competitive. I'm going to want to win. 
So if we don't do something that I think we should be doing, I'm going to let you know. And maybe it came off a little worse than what it did. We kind of, we just laugh about it now. It's no, no ill, it was no ill will feelings at the time. And he understood that at that time. And even now, like we all understand that we're all trying to win. We're all competitive individuals. So Caleb Williams being upset on the sideline, I have zero issue with because he, like, I think of myself as a competitive person. Caleb Williams is competitive to a thousand percent what I am. I am nowhere near as good because Caleb Williams worked his entire life to get to this point. To be the number one overall pick in the draft. To be considered a generational prospect. To be a guy in the conversation for back-to-back Heisman Trophy wins. For a guy who's in the conversation for winning national championships. So if he's getting his cheese clapped again by 28 points on the road where he's getting booed and heckled the entire time. Yeah, he's going to get frustrated. Newsflash, he's not a freaking robot. He's fine. He's allowed to have a bad game. He's allowed to have an outburst on the sideline. Because guess what? Every single game, there's something like that. I should say every single game. Almost every single game, there's something like that. But with Caleb Williams being as publicized as he is, and as popular as he is, as big as he is, there's going to be a camera on him every single second of every single game. It doesn't matter if he's blowing his nose or taking a piss, there's going to be a camera on Caleb Williams everywhere he goes. So if he loses his shit on the sideline, regardless if it's at someone else or himself, that's fine. It's going to happen in a football game. It's in a football game. You're, it's going to happen. I hate that this has become a popular topic of debate where people get upset on the sideline. People are like, oh, man, he's a terrible person, terrible leader. Watch Peyton Manning screaming his ass off at Jeff Saturday. Like, go watch that clip again. Like, you find it in almost every year. Tom Brady screaming on the sidelines. Like, it can happen. You're allowed to lose your temper on the sideline when you're in that type of situation. You're allowed to do that. He's a person. So I hate that, that we're comparing, oh, this is the two things I compare to. Yeah, Sam Hartman's a good person for going up and checking on Riley Leonard. Caleb Williams had one bad moment on the sideline when they're losing, and he's upset. That happens. And everything else he's done at USC, I don't know what goes on in the locker room. I don't know what goes on in the weight room meetings, all that stuff. But you can tell they like him. They tell You can tell they respect him. So, hey, I'm perfectly fine with him having one outburst on the sideline. For the first time, at least, that I've seen so far this year. It's a very good clip to clip right there. And good thing to compare it to as well. I'm surprised that, like, if we're going on that route, do you see Sam Hartman doing the Vs down after the, in the press conference? That's really disrespectful, man. I don't know if I like that type of person that's disrespectful like that. Like, you won the game. Cool. Don't need to be disrespectful about it. Like, you go on every single different route about that. Like, if you're going to yell at one thing, might as well yell at everything. So, hey... I'm fine with it. I have no general issue with it. It's fine. It happens. Players will get mad. It happens. Move on. Coaches get mad all the time, too. It happens. Move on. Like there was a clip of the Alabama player the other day. Nick Saban lost his mind on the sideline. He's like, well, sometimes you just got to take it. It's coach. You just got to take it. These guys all understand. Like, you'll not find anybody on these sidelines, whether NFL, college, or maybe even high school, that goes, man, dude, why are you freaking out like that? Just chill out, man. You're not going to find that. These are all ultra-competitive individuals. It doesn't matter if you're a starter, backup, third string, whatever. They're all ultra-competitive individuals. Again, it's just about Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams, so it's going to be blown up freaking everywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, I have no issue with it. I hate that it's a talking point now. I hate that it's a talking point. And something else that's been a talking point recently, it's kind of like, it's it's an interesting talking point, but it's Iowa. Iowa's starting to become national. And we've talked about this before. Like, Iowa's offense with the whole Brian Ferentz, like, 
points game meter that's been going up like crazy. And everybody's like, everybody's got to talk about it. Every single game it talks about, man, is Iowa going to average 25 points a game? I think at this point, it, Iowa kind of likes it. I think they kind of think it's funny. I don't think they care anymore. I think at this point, they are trying to not do anything that amazing on offense because they know Irk a lot of people. Like Kirk Ferentz said shit in a press conference. Kirk Ferentz never says shit. And he said part of my French afterwards. Kirk Ferentz don't do that. Kirk Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz is at the point now where he's crying after games. Like Kirk Ferentz getting, you know, he's an older guy. He's getting soft in his old day. I'm not like, oh, he's, he's loose, he's soft. No, I'm not saying it like that. It's more of a term of endearment, I guess. I like make fun of my pop all the time because like he'll get all emotional now. So he's starting, he turns 80 in January. So we're like, we're like, oh, he's getting soft in his old age. It's not anything bad. So don't take it like that. But, but Kirk's saying shit in a press conference. That's crazy. He lambasted Joey Labas from freaking left field. <laughs> he went in on Joey Labas. I don't know if Joey Labas has pictures of his mom or something. Like, I don't know what he has on Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz does not like Joey Labas at all. It's nothing like insanely bad, but it was just really funny. It's something I didn't expect Kirk to say at all. Where the hell is that clip? I screenshotted it because it was so funny. Yeah, Kirk, <laughs> Kirk, uh, Kirk Ferentz with the QB gap between Hill and Labas. You saw what we saw why we had Petrus number one last year after he got knocked out. <laughs> he pretty much went on to say, yeah, we did some things with Lavas that you saw what Petrus went out. We saw Lavas go in. You, uh, you saw why Lava, you saw why Petrus was our guy. We saw why Petrus was our guy. Hill clear. Number one, Lavas clear. Number two lanes clear. Number three, uh, at this point in coach's eyes, it doesn't look like they're changing anything anytime soon with the quarterback position, which does not surprise me. That's been my entire life as an Iowa fan. It doesn't matter how bad the quarterback's been playing. Kirk is going to be loyal to a fault at the quarterback position. You can think that's a good thing or a bad thing. It doesn't matter, but all I know is Deacon Hill's not very good. And you could say it's Brian. You could say Deacon Hill, could, again, that dude's got a freaking howitzer of an arm. Insane arm. But it's not accurate in any stretch of the imagination. And Brian Ferentz being the quarterback coach sucks ass almost worse than he does as an offensive coordinator. Like, it's it's not fun. But I, did, I, did, I just thought it was really funny hearing that quote from Kirk. Like, Labas was pretty solid, not amazing, but solid enough in the bowl game when Iowa beat Kentucky. But there was a lot of things that went on for that game. Like, Nwankpa, I think, had two interceptions in that game, if I remember correctly. It was a boring-ass game. 21-0 was the final, if I remember correctly. But, man, it's just really funny. It's really funny. But uh, someone else on Twitter with Iowa. Yeah, I'm over the national media making fun of Iowa team that could go 11-1 just to be laughed at. The goal is to win games on your schedule. The offense... Is thing is cute and easy to poke at, but when they're winning, that's this isn't like last year. No, it's worse than last year offensively. But like the schedule's so much easier. Like you're ignorant if you're thinking like this team's so much better than last year. This team's worse than the way they were last year. The offense is worse by a lot. And I thought I was looking better. Like they're score they were scoring more points early on. The offense is worse. I always got a much easier schedule this year than they did last year. Like just being objective, it's different than last year. It's worse. The offense is terrible. It, Iowa, realistically, the bar for me was 10 and 2. 9 and 3. 9 and 3. 10 and 2 is what we predicted. I don't think Iowa should be losing any of these games the rest of the year. They'll be 11 and 1. And the conversation on Iowa being, like, let's say hypothetically, Iowa wins the Big Ten championship. Hypothetically speaking, Iowa goes on to win the Big Ten championship game. Where are they going to be ranked? Because you look at some of these games they're playing are not necessarily big, um, what do you call it? Big resume boosters at all. 
Like, yeah, they're going undefeated, but that loss to Penn State will sit big in everybody's mind. And then you look at, like, Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska. Those aren't resume boosters. They're 24th right now. Like, I've seen some teams make some massive jumps when the first college football ranking came out, college football playoff rankings come out, but that's a pretty solid jump against a bunch of bad teams. That's putting it lightly. Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska are bad football teams. Like, people changed their minds on Purdue because they looked good against Illinois. Some people did. I saw Chris Hassel said Iowa would lose to Purdue. What world was Iowa losing to Purdue? Purdue was not a good football team either. Like, they had a good game against Illinois. They are not a good football team. Michigan State's not a good football team. Wisconsin, struggling a lot. Has pieces, but you got Tanner Mordecai out for the year now. With a, I think he has a broken hand. So, they're beating a lot of bad football teams. They didn't score any points against Penn State. So that'll be a big thing. Like 12 and one, they beat Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. We'll see a a step in that direction with Penn State, Ohio State this weekend. But you look at that and you're like, man, what, what is this team? Defensively and special teams are good. Like we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like people want to say, oh, they're winning. Dude, they are competing for national championships. If this offense is above average, just average. I know it's like, oh, they're winning. I hate the attitude. Like it could be better. It could be so much better. It doesn't even need to be that. They were the worst offense of college football. And that's not even being hyperbolic. That is the worst offense of college football. And sure, it's an easy thing to poke at from the national media. And I get it like from messages from my friends all the time talking about it. And it's whatever. I've I've accepted it at this point. But to see people so, what do you call it? So, I don't know. What is the word I'm looking for? Just okay with it? Like, that frustrates me. You should want things to continue. I know they're 11-1. It's not because of the offense. They played Wisconsin. They didn't go in the 20-yard line one time in that game against Wisconsin. Apart from Williams' touchdown run. Like, apart from that, they were not inside the 20 at all. And and Williams' touchdown run, the only time they were in the 20 is when he was going from the 20 to 10 to the 5 to the 0 to the touchdown in this 82-yard touchdown run. That's the only time. Like, if this offense was decent... Like, you know what? If they had Purdue's offense, they could actually compete for a Big Ten title. I don't want to sound like that down and gloomy right now, but I've accepted the fact I was going to go 11-2, and, and I'm grateful for that. I want my team to win. I'm grateful for that. But to sit there and be so okay with Iowa going 11-2 and and then knowing they're going to get blasted in the Big Ten championship game by whoever they play, because they're not beating Michigan. They're not beating Penn State. We already saw that one version one of that they're not beating Ohio State like all teams got all those teams got really good defense to boot with solid offenses like they're all competing for national championship they're all in the top 10 Ohio State's in the top both Ohio State and Michigan are in the top three at least I think they are are both of them in the top three still I know Michigan's two but is Ohio State three yeah Ohio State's three so you just have an average offense you are a team that is not only going 11 and 1. Like there's a difference between 11 and 1 and getting pumped in the Big 10 Championship game versus going 11 and 1 and actually having a shot at winning the Big 10 Championship game. You have a worst offense in Eastern Michigan, Kent State, Akron. Hell, you got a worst offense in every single team in college football. And again, I think Iowa finds it kind of funny at this point. I don't think they really care. And my dad kind of found, thought it was funny because of the fact like if he was the coach and I was Brian, like, you would think that Iowa would be trying to score as much as possible to keep Brian's job. 
to average above 25 points a game. I know there's a seven win mark in there too, but I think, is it all of those have to be met? Do all of those stipulations have to be met in order for him to keep his job? Or is it just the, like one or the other, like you have to get seven wins or you average 25 points a game. Like Iowa state's offense right now. If Iowa had Iowa state's offense, which isn't an insane offense, but it's gotten better as the season's gone on. They would be actually competing for things because that defense is insane. That special teams is insane. I think people are kind of taking for granted how great that special teams is because they did not, special teams is defense. If they didn't have a defense, special teams like that, Lord knows what they'd be. That you need, if they're not perfect every week, Iowa's not winning games. That's just the fact. And I don't like thinking like that, but that's how it is. And I'm intrigued to see how it progresses next year. Whoever's the offensive coordinator, if they get a new offensive coordinator, I don't know, but. Yeah, I don't think I. The thing is, I don't think Iowa cares. Like the this team is the offense is worse than last year. I don't that it's insane to think about. You always like to think it can't get worse, and it has. I've said that the past three years. It you can't it can't get worse, and it has. It can't get worse, and it has. But I don't know. They don't care, and that's fine. They're winning, so I I can't say anything. Like the today, nineteen eighty five, Iowa beat Michigan. Number one beat number two. Iowa beat Michigan. One of the greatest games of all time in Kinnick Stadium. Like when Iowa beat Penn State two years ago, or was it last year? Was it two years ago or last year? I can't remember. It, it couldn't be two. It was two years ago because Iowa went to the Big Ten Championship game. When they beat Penn State, were number two team in the nation, lost Purdue the next week. That was one of the weirdest feelings I've ever had because it was like, man, this is sick. It's like you enjoy pissing people off at this point. That's what it kind of felt like. It was like, man, this is awesome. A team quarterback by Spencer Petras is the number two team in the nation. That is insane. And they obviously get pumped by Purdue a couple weeks later or a week later. But yeah. But Iowa missed Minnesota this weekend. Iowa hasn't lost to Minnesota at home in a while. Let's just put it like that. In a while. Like I saw this today. You remember we talked about the Denver Broncos versus uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and that, that like what was around when the Chiefs last lost to the Broncos? Last time the Gophers won at Kinnick Stadium, Bill Clinton was president. Let's tell you right there. Tom Brady was still at Michigan. The Grizzlies played in Vancouver, the Memphis Grizzlies. Minnesota Wild didn't exist. Smooth by Santana and Rob Thomas was number one in the Billboard Top 100. A lot has changed since Minnesota last beat Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. Like I, I think I brought this up with Brady. I think I brought this up before. But I remember a couple years ago, I was at Iowa, Minnesota. Iowa stormed the field. They beat Minnesota. Minnesota was undefeated. And I have no issue with people storming the field. Like, dude, do what you want. That's fine. But I did find it kind of odd. I was like, I don't know. As an Iowa fan, I never once feared Minnesota. I hate Minnesota. One of my least favorite teams in college football. But I've never once sat there and gone, ooh, Minnesota football. Oh, God. <laughs> it's Oh, God, this is a big game. Even when they were undefeated, it didn't bother me. It's Minnesota. It's, it's, oh, it doesn't matter. It don't matter. It's Minnesota. It's Minnesota. So, like, remember, the Bills versus Dolphins, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Hey, Dolphins just beat the Broncos by 50 points. They scored 70. It's still the Bills Dolphins. I don't Josh Allen's lost to the Dolphins twice. <laughs> I, I have no real fear of the Miami Dolphins when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Since Josh Allen's been in the league, they've lost to him twice. So I and this is their the best team in the NFL got beat but absolutely shit stomped by the Bills. I think people are forgetting about that when they rank the Dolphins number one. Cause it's kind of funny, like the the top four, I think it was NFL Network. It was the Dolphins were first, Chiefs second, Jags third, Bills fourth or something like that. Maybe it was just AFC power rankings. But, like, the Chiefs beat the Jaguars, who beat the Bills, who pounded the Dolphins. 
So it should be Chiefs, Jags, Bills, Dolphins, right? If you're going by what happened. So I, I don't know. I don't know. But Minnesota beating Iowa, it just it's something that doesn't happen. And if any year was going to happen, it'd be ironically this year. But I just can't see it. Minnesota's not a good football team. Iowa's defense is insane. Iowa's special teams is insane. Iowa's a 73% chance to win this according to ESPN. They are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Minnesota's coming off a 52-10 loss to, Minnesota, to Michigan. We'll talk about it again in a little bit. They lost to Northwestern this year. Yeah, Iowa really shouldn't have any issues here. They really shouldn't. It's at home. It's a stripe game. They're rocking all yellow uniforms, all gold uniforms, however you want to call it. Iowa shouldn't have any issues here. They really shouldn't. Defense playing great. So, yeah. Iowa dub. I'm not going to go scores, but Iowa should win that game fairly easy. As for Iowa State, they're on a bye. So, you got an off week there for Iowa State. Coming up a nice little game against Cincinnati. A couple nice couple weeks in a row. You got the TCU game with Jack Trice. You've got the Cincinnati game and the Chili Bowl. You've got all those nice things. And they got for you and I, they take on North Dakota. After losing to South Dakota State last week in a not very great game, going against the North Dakota team that just beat North Dakota State by a lot last week, 49-24. They lost to South Dakota State, sure, but a lot of teams lose to South Dakota State. Everybody pretty much loses to South Dakota State. But North Dakota State's very, very good. You look at that game against North Dakota State. North Dakota State's had a very interesting year for North Dakota State. Standards losing to South Dakota and now North Dakota. You lose to the South Dakota North Dakota schools that you should not lose to. If you're losing to a team from South Dakota and a team from North Dakota, you're losing to the teams that follow up by state. North Dakota State, South Dakota State. You don't lose to North Dakota and South Dakota. No, North Dakota's a very good football team. I don't want to make it sound like I'm lambasting North Dakota because they're very good. They are a very run-first team. Very run-first team. Tommy Schuster's a good quarterback, though. He is a good quarterback. But last week, ran the ball 20, 39 times. I almost said 29. 39 times for 215 yards. Leading back... 156 yards, three touchdowns, averaging 8.7 yards per attempt. Now, thankfully for you and I, this is back at the Unidome. This is back at the Unidome. So, I think you and I could play it close. I don't know. I'm not expecting you and I to go in there and win. I'm not. This is one of my losses, if I remember correctly, in our preseason video. I don't think you and I will come away out top of this one. I think they'll play better than what they did against South Dakota State because North Dakota State, or North Dakota, sorry, is not as good as South Dakota State. That's that's not even me saying anything bad on South on North Dakota. South Dakota State's just the top dog in the FCS level. And then you got William Penn this weekend. I believe they're taking on Peru State. I've seen a lot of weird ads for Peru State recently. I don't understand it. I, I've seen... I've been on YouTube and gotten ads for Peru State. When has anybody ever gotten ads for Peru State? No one ever gets ads for Peru State. Not even people that go to Peru State get ads for Peru State. But it's homecoming. Might be going down to the game. I don't know if we are officially or not. I'll have to talk to some people about that one. But we'll see. We'll see. It's always fun to go back to Oskaloosa. It's always fun. Went to homecoming last year. I think they won. Not a very exciting game, but I believe they won, if I remember correctly. Hold up. Yeah, 9-6. to six. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> Against Central Methodist. Yeah, no, I remember that game. Nothing really happened to that one, but... Got a new offense this year, new head coach. I love Coach Hafner. New head, new head coach, though, this year. So, it'll be interesting. The offense didn't really click as much as they thought the week one. They won 6-2. But they played well these past few games. They played really well. Like, you look at the game against Missouri Valley. Lost by three. Lost by seven points, sorry. You look at the game against Minam Naz. Or seven. Lost by five points, sorry. Look at the game against Minam Naz. Lost by nine points. Look at the game against Benedictine. A very solid team. Though they lost to Graceland earlier this year, they lost them 10-7. They're a solid team. 
They just pounded Clark 41-20, beat Central Memphis 35-17. Like, this is a good team. So going down to Peru or going down to Peru State, going down to Oski to play Peru State. Next week they go to Culver Stockton for their homecoming. And then obviously the week after that, you got the Grandview game at Oski, and you got the game against Graceland on my birthday for senior day. So yeah, we got some good games coming up for the Statesmen, but yeah, they can they can beat Peru State. They can beat Peru State. Look at the JV team, beat Missouri Valley 26-14. But yeah, Iowa State on the bye, so we had to fill the gap somehow, so we'll fit up with William Penn. Fit up with Penn. But there's some other good games going on in college football this weekend. Like, let's look at the conferences real quick for the, the Iowa, Iowa States, and UNIs of the world. So we'll start off the Big 12 since Iowa State doesn't have a game themselves. We got UCF taking on Oklahoma, two very high-powered offenses this game. Oklahoma should come out on top, especially since it's in, at Oklahoma in Norman. You got Baylor versus Cincinnati, which should be kind of an interesting one. Oklahoma State versus West Virginia. Texas versus Houston. Texas obviously coming off a bye, but obviously before that, coming off a loss to Oklahoma. You got Texas Tech versus BYU, two transfer quarterbacks in that game. You got Tyler Show of Texas Tech versus Keaton Slovis of BYU, and then you got TCU versus Kansas State, which could actually be a fairly fun game on Saturday night. Going to the Big Ten, obviously got Iowa versus Minnesota at 2.30, but 11 o'clock. Hate that this game's at 11 o'clock. But Penn State at Ohio State, it's Fox, big noon kickoff game. Should be a night game, but you know what? We'll take it. Fun game. Fun game. The thing to look out for here, Kalen King, one of the top cornerbacks in next year's draft, maybe behind Kool-Aid McKinstry, but he's top three guy with like Cooper DeGene up there as well. Like top three guy versus Marvin Harrison Jr. And you got obviously a Mecca Buka there as well, but Marvin Harrison Jr. versus Kalen King is going to be an insane matchup. And then following the same game, we got another insane one. We got Rutgers five and two Rutgers taking on Indiana. In Indiana, we got Wisconsin versus Illinois. We got Northwestern, Nebraska, and the battle of the ends. Nebraska is an 11 and a half point fair. That's a big spread for Nebraska. And then night game, fun night game. It should be an absolute piss pounding, but you never know. Sparty may have an upset in them, but you got Michigan, number two Michigan, taking on Michigan State. That's a 6.30 kickoff. Michigan's a 24 point favorite in that one, and I think that's rightfully so. And then the Missouri Valley Football Conference. We obviously got UNI versus North Dakota at 4 o'clock on ESPN Plus with the Unidome. We got South Dakota taking on Indiana State. Shouldn't be a great game. You got South Dakota, obviously 5-1 and one of the season. Indiana State still winless on the year. Illinois State versus Youngstown State, two very physical football teams, and the Jaguars just picked off Trey, uh, Derek Carr. And he scores. Pick six. Very nice. Did I, did I start the Jaguars defense today in fantasy? I can't remember. I, don't, I might have dropped him. I don't know. But Youngstown State versus Illinois State is a very fun game. Murray State versus Missouri State. South Dakota State versus Southern Illinois is a very fun game in Carbondale. Little Egypt's over there in Carbondale. That's an awesome game. That's at 2 o'clock on ESPN+. Then Western Illinois versus North Dakota State. That should be a fairly easy one for the Bison. But, yeah, just a little Missouri Valley Football Conference trivia for you. Or not trivia, but pronunciation keys here. Uh, North Dakota State is the Bison, not Bison. And we got the Coyotes of South Dakota, not Coyotes. Just so we're all clear there. Yeah, we got the Arizona Coyotes. We got the South Dakota Coyotes. The Yotes. Go Yotes. Remember, I went there on a recruiting trip. So I've been, it's been drilled into my brain. That is the Yotes. But for the rest of the top 25, for the rest of college football this weekend, we have also got Navy versus Air Force. You know, about part one of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. I guess it shouldn't say part one. I don't know if Air Force and Army have played yet. Have they? No, they have not. So this is the first battle for the Commander-in-Chief trophy this season. And it's at Navy. Fun game. Two triple option schools here. Air Force is 10.5 point favorite. We got Washington State, Oregon. I hope Washington State can bounce back. Had a couple rough weeks. He had the weird game against UCLA where Cameron Ward got absolutely blown up. 
Offline did absolutely nothing in that game against the in a terrible, terrible blowout against Arizona last week. Oregon obviously coming off a tough loss to Washington. Should be a bounce back game. I expect Oregon to win, especially how good they are on the defensive side of the ball. But I hope Cameron Ward does well for state. We got Tennessee versus Alabama. I don't see Tennessee pulling off the upset like they did last year, but I think it'll be a decent game regardless. South Carolina versus Missouri should be a decently fun one. South Carolina at two and four. It's a little, little harsh on the Gamecocks there. We got North Texas taking on 23rd-ranked Tulane. Tulane, the 20-point favorite in that one. We got Virginia, North Carolina, which should be an easy one for Drake May and Co. Virginia, again, was my predicted worst team in the conference. Yeah, that one should be fairly easy for North Carolina. We got Ole Miss and Auburn, which should be a fun one. Duke, Florida State, if Riley Leonard is back, that will be a very, very fun one. I haven't seen if Riley Leonard is back. We'll do, so, we'll quick, do a quick goog here. Is Riley Leonard officially back? There's a chance Riley Leonard will be back. For the Florida State game. That was a day ago. So, it has a chance of returning. So, it's nothing confirmed yet. But there's a chance. Duke has a chance to win that game if he's there. If not, I don't see Duke winning that game at all. We got Army brought them up a little bit ago against LSU. Could be a tougher game than I imagined, but LSU's offense with Jaden Daniels is looking insane right now. Then we got Utah versus USC. A very, very fun matchup there. Very close and exciting game. The regular season last year, obviously Utah beat the crap out of them in the Pac-12 championship game. Then we got Arizona State against Washington and then UCLA against Stanford. So we had some fun matches this weekend. In the NFL this weekend, obviously got the Jaguars versus Saints going on right now. Sunday, we got the Bills and Patriots. Should be a fairly easy one for the Bills, but I'm not going to say anything crazy about score predictions and all that stuff because, you know, 35-3 versus the Giants didn't actually happen, but this one should be a fairly easy one, especially when you look at how bad the Patriots lost to the Saints on thir- on last Sunday, lost to the Cowboys, all those games. Bills really should have no issues there. Chargers-Chiefs could be a very fun one. That's a 325, or 220, yeah, 325 kick, sorry. That should be a very fun one. Chargers play well against the Chiefs. They haven't beat them, but they play well against them. If it weren't for Justin Herbert, 99-yard pick six last year, maybe the Chargers could have come out on top in that game. Then we got the Raiders and Bears. Yuck. <laughs> we got Tyson Bagent going up against Brian Hoyer, I think, starting for the Raiders. So, yeah, that's going to be a fun one. We got the Colts and Browns. Anthony Richardson's out for the season. He is taking that surgery, which is, I think, good for him. Uh, I saw some people saying he needs to take care, better care of himself, but there were two freak injuries. It's not anything that he's doing that he needs to do differently. Like, it's two things that he could do if he was just standing there and gets tackled. Like his first one, he had his head off the back of the his head, back of his head off the turf. Second one, you know, dragged on his shoulder. It happens. Not like you want it to happen, but it ha- it happens. She says it isn't caught up at all. ESPN's still saying it's in the second quarter. Do I need to refresh it or something? I think I might need to refresh it. Okay, there it goes. Yeah, it's 24 to 9 right now in the Jaguars' favor. Uh, where are we at? Uh, Commanders versus Giants. Yuck. <laughs> Falcons, Bucks. Yuck. <laughs> Lions, Ravens. That'd be a fun one. I saw it today. Thomas Robinson on NFL Network said the Lions were the best team in the NFL. That is kind of funny to think about. Never thought I'd see that day. Uh, I got the Steelers versus the Rams. Yuck. <laughs> Not really looking forward to that one. Cardinal Seahawks. Maybe the Seahawks should bounce back or can bounce back. Didn't have the greatest game of all time against the Bengals. Geno didn't play his greatest game. Had two interceptions, no touchdowns in that one. Should bounce back against the Cardinals. Packers, Broncos. Uh, yuck. <laughs> Packers should be able to bounce back, though. And then you got the Eagles, Dolphins. Tua versus Jalen Hurts. What a fun game that should be. That should be a very fun. The Eagles are a two and a half point favorite since it's in Philly, but hey, the Dolphins, they've lost the only above 500 team they played this year, got blown out by them. The Eagles haven't played great this year. Obviously lost to the Jets last week. Maybe should have lost to the Commanders the week before. 
Dolphins, very good offense. Tua's clicking. Tyreek Hill's clicking. All those players are clicking over there in New Orleans. Raheem Mostert's balling out this year. Devin Achan was balling out before he got hurt. So, yeah, the Dolphins are good. Dolphins are good. Eagles are good. So that'd be a very fun one Sunday night. And then Monday night, you got the Niners versus the Vikings. Vikings will keep up offensively, potentially. I know Justin Jefferson's out and all that, but with the Niners having some question marks around their biggest players, we could see. Maybe they could pull off the upset of the Vikings. I highly doubt it, but you know what? It can happen. Crazier things have happened in the NFL. Who knows? Like the Giants almost beat the Bills last week. That's crazy. That's crazy to think about. So maybe the maybe the Niners losing the Browns. I did not think would ever happen, and guess what? It happened. So, yeah, crazy things can happen in the world of football, and that's fine. And you know what's crazy? Speaking of crazy things in the world of football, I saw this today. Flag football in the Olympics. Is that is that officially, officially happening? Because if it is, that is insane that it's happening. Because the Olympics are coming to Los Angeles in 2028. So the United States will be hosting the Olympics. That's the only way this makes sense. What I saw today made it even crazier. The NFL is not only allowing, but encouraging active players to participate in flag football at the 2020 Los Angeles Olympics. That is insane to think about. Like, if I'm building, so we're gonna we're just going to do flag football, and then we're just going to do five positions. Because I know there's more in flag football. you got a center and all that stuff as well. At least going to the intramural football from you and I. Build your flag football team for Team USA. Starting five offense. We've got a quarterback, running back, two wide receivers, and tight end. I know, like, the main one right away would be Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. And I think that makes sense. I think it makes all the sense in the world. He's the best player in the NFL. Best quarterback in the NFL makes sense. Dude, for flag football purposes, Lamar Jackson might be an absolute cheat code in, in flag football. I think he'd be insane in flag football. Like, the ability to just take off and run, the shiftiness of Lamar Jackson. I know Mahomes could absolutely piece them apart, but Lamar Jackson in fantasy football would be insane. I'm going to skip running back for now. Christian McCaffrey would be the obvious one, I think, because his ability is to catch the ball to the backfield. Because you don't need to be you can you don't need the big guys for flag football. So like that take like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts obviously would be awesome pieces for flag football, but like Lamar would be insane for flag football. Running back though, uh like Christian McCaffrey, the main one again, as we talked about before. Bijan would be a nice one there. DeAndre Swift, maybe that's the only time you ever get to play <laughs> flag football in the Olympics. But the receivers, this is where we eat. Receivers where we cook. Like, the top three guys, we brought them up before, but Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill. Like, what? That is insane. Who is guarding them? Like, who is competing with that? Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. Like, you can throw in Devontae. You can throw in Stephon Diggs. You can throw in whoever you want. But those are my top three guys in the NFL in regards to the receiver position. Those are my top three. I respect to Devontae and Steph, but those are my top three guys. Well, that is insane. Tyreek Hill? Who is guarding Tyreek Hill? Like, the like, United States goes up against... I don't even know how they do this. Like, how would you even participate in this? Like, would you have to... You'd have to do Olympic qualifiers, right? How would you do Olympic qualifiers for the Olympics for football, for flag football? How would other countries do this? This is our sport. What I've never heard of cricket in the Olympics. A lot more people around the world play cricket than they do American football. I know you'd have like Canada with their players. You'd have Germany has some players over there, has some teams over there. But good lord, like Australian rules football players would probably have to play for them. But good god, what what kind of monstrosity would this game be against the United States versus like? I don't know what what countries usually qualify for the Olympics. Like small countries that qualify for the Olympics, like Poland, 
the United States versus Poland, a bunch of Krasoviaks, like trying to guard Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, and Lamar Jackson. Wait, what? What are we doing here? Like, I'm sorry. No disrespect to the Polish people or anything, but I, I don't have any fear of the United States losing. Is it would it turn into like the FIBA World Cup for basketball? We're like, yeah, we're just gonna win, so let's not bring anybody. Now they've got the redeem team times two going to the Olympics this year. Like Joel Embiid is playing for the United States this year in the Olympics. LeBron's already said he's playing. Kevin Durant's already said this team's going to be absolutely insane in the Olympics for basketball. Again, which is what you would expect. You saw what happened in the FIBA World Cup. Let's bring it back to the Olympics. But for football, like, would there be a rule like like in hockey where you can only in soccer where it's only U23s and stuff like that? Like, that'd be the only way that the United States would be somewhat limited because obviously having the likes of Lamar, and I I keep saying Lamar first, but he'd be my perfect fans, uh, flag football quarterback. Obviously, I didn't even say tight end, but Kelsey, Kyle Pitts would eat in flag football. That's all he does is catch the ball. He doesn't need to block. Like, Kyle Pitts would absolutely eat there. But Travis Kelsey obviously be there as well. If you want to get mean, throw George Kittle out there. Have him block everybody. Like, have Debo Samuel, wide receiver, have him run over people. Like, that, that'd that be so funny. Have Derrick Henry at running back. I know it's flag football, but still. Maybe you treat it like arena football and get, like, Pat Ricard at running back as an extra blocker. Like, like in arena football, they have the fullback, and the fullback's really only there as a fourth blocker. And you got the three offensive linemen, and you got the fullback, who's, like, 400 pounds. And they'd run the ball occasionally. they just bring Pat Ricard, and then we'll have Lamar Jackson, Tyreek Hill, Jamar and Justin at the wideouts and Kelsey or Kyle Pitts at tight end. Obviously, I'm not stupid. If we're going like best player, obviously Mahomes and Kelsey are the two best of their positions, tight end and quarterback. We know that. I'm not sitting here saying that Lamar and Kyle Pitts are better than those two, but I'm just speaking from a just strictly flag football sense. It's the only thing I'm thinking about right now. And obviously, we're going to have kickers like Justin Tucker, obviously. Uh, like we got some good kickers in the NFL. I don't know if you know that. It might be the only thing we can compete, the other teams can compete at. Like maybe they could figure out to kick a football. Like if you have like Harry Kane kicking, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know how that would go. It wouldn't go. That'd be the thing. It wouldn't go. The United States would absolutely run up the score on everybody. You'd have to only bring like the worst players at every position to make this semi-competitive for the other countries. Like the only way you could, like you'd have to bring like a flag football select team. I know there's a league. I think like Terrell Owens was in this league. Michael Vick was in this league, but even if you brought those guys who haven't played football in years, they're still going to dominate. And I saw Michael Vick earlier today. They were asking if he was going to be a Hall of Famer. I love Michael Vick as a player. He was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. He's not a Hall of Famer. He knows this. I know it. Everybody out there knows it, apart from the nostalgic critics out there. Like, even Michael Vick knows he's not a Hall of Famer. He didn't do as much. Obviously, the jail sentence, you know, show, uh, kind of put a final nail in that coffin. But Michael Vick was a great player. Nothing to take away from Michael Vick. But he's not a Hall of Famer. I love Michael Vick. He's instrumental for mobile quarterbacks. He's drafted first overall. Not a very big guy, but the most electrifying field player on the field is at the quarterback position. It was one of the first times it ever happened in the NFL. But as for what he did on the field, electrifying player, massive contract, all that stuff, but no, not a Hall of Famer. Like Lamar Jackson, I think there's a better conversation for Lamar Jackson being a Hall of Famer, obviously because of the fact unanimous MVP, second ever that's ever happened in the NFL. So I think there's more of a case for that, but – is there anything else I really need to touch on today? Not really. Oh, one final thing. I saw Jim Harbaugh, Michigan, uh, NCAA is investigating Michigan over possible rule breaking around in, quote, in-person scouting of opponents. 
So stealing signs, essentially. So we got the Patriots are back, Spygate's back, and I saw someone on Twitter, and I love this idea, they should be stripped of their 2021 Big Ten Championship, and whoever was runner-up should be the one who won that title. Whoever it was. Whoever it was. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Whoever was the runner-up in that 2021 title should be crowned Big Ten Champion. That's how that should work. I agree with that 100%. Oh, we got Taysom Hill running the ball now. Tries to get the edge, gets the first down, and the Saints are at the five-yard line. Trying to punch it in the end zone. And one final thing before we crown the 2021 Big Ten champion, which it, it could be whoever, but whoever was running up that year. I saw this, and this is kind of crazy. As speculation mounts around Devontae Adams' future of the Raiders, I don't know how legit this is. Bet online, online.ag on Twitter. Devontae Adams' next team odds. The betting favorite is the Buffalo Bills. Four to one odds. Buffalo Bills are the favorite. I I mean, I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. I'm not saying it won't, especially given Sean McDermott's comments earlier in the season about needing more production for the number two wideout. And Devontae, him and Diggs would need to settle their own differences on who's number one there. Obviously, throughout their careers, I would take Devontae. And just being objective, I love Stephon Diggs. I have a Diggs jersey. I'll never say anything bad about Stephon Diggs. But I think Diggs even knows that Devontae Adams was the unanimous number one wide receiver in the NFL for like two, three years. We know that. But Diggs has skin in the game in Buffalo, so that'd be the conversation there. They need to figure that one out themselves. I think they'd be perfectly fine. They're both Hall of Fame players, so I think they'd be perfectly fine figuring that out. But here's what it would be. Devontae Adams, Vegas, eats $10 million to $22 million guaranteed, remaining between 2022 and 2044 for Gabe Davis in a second. That's fine. That's fine. Gabe Davis being the number one receiver for in Vegas for a little bit. Him or Jacoby Myers, however you want to look at it. Derrick Henry. You could look at Derrick Henry there as well. I don't think they'll trade for Derrick Henry. That ship, I think, kind of sailed, but, you know, never know. Tennessee eats $4 million reigning in 2023 plus a sixth for Buffalo fourth. So that's what that's what that deal would look like. This isn't my – I'm not coming up with these deals. I'm fa- I found these deals on Bill's Twitter. But Devontae going to Buffalo, I think it would be interesting. I don't think Derrick Henry would go. I think the Bills have kind of made their opinions known about the running back position. I think they're going to stick with that. With Latavius, with James Cook, with Ty Johnson, where they're bringing up off the practice squad, at least I'm pretty sure they are. They talked about bringing in Leonard Fournette, which I am, it's crazy to think about that possibly happening. I was at the Bills-Jaguars game, Josh Allen's rookie year, where he got a beer can thrown in his head. So I really do not think that would ever happen. But, you know, crazier things. Like we talked about earlier, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. Is there anything else, though, that I just need to desperately touch on? Not really. Not really. Oh, one. I guess this is it. It's going to be a quick one. But ranking in a regular season sports, and it's just the big four sports, NFL, NBA, MLB, NBA, NHL. This guy ranks it NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. So NFL clearly ranks top for regular season. We know that. Everybody watched the NFL regular season. For the other ones, from a personal standpoint, Regular season, I would rank it from my own. I'm not saying this is how definitively it is. Mine goes NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA for regular season. I don't watch a lot of regular season NBA. I watch more regular season hockey. And baseball, I watch a lot of Cubs baseball throughout the regular season. At least I try to. Longer season, though, so I percentage-wise, it's probably close between the bottom three. But I would say MLB, NHL, NBA. Playoffs, NHL, MLB, 
NFL, NBA, for me, and I like watching the NBA playoffs, but the last year, this past year, is one of the first times I watched the NBA final, like playoffs throughout in a little bit. Like growing up, I loved watching basketball. If we were talking about when Logan was a kid, NBA would be a little. Actually, I don't even know. I watched a lot of baseball and a lot of hockey growing up too. So I, I, I loved it a lot growing up. Now, I mean, NHL is clear number one. Baseball, clear number two. And then you're having a conversation about NFL versus NBA playoffs, and I just like football more. So I would say NFL. So I'd go NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA for my ranking regular seasons. Playoffs, hockey, baseball, football, basketball. And that's not even me really dissing basketball. I, lo- I like watching the NBA. I'm a big Bulls fan. I like watching the NBA. But after what playoffs I've watched more religiously, those that would be the order for it. Obviously, I watch the NFL more for because I'm a football fan first. It's my favorite sport. I grew it, played it my entire life. But just for pure aspect of the playoffs, NHL clear number one it's not even really close but MLB playoffs are insane as well like right now my dad and I just got done watching the Phillies versus Diamondbacks game or just got done a couple hours ago but got done watching the Phillies Diamondbacks game Cattell Marte walked it off for the Arizona Diamondbacks bases loaded Craig Craig Kimbrell jeez Craig Kimbrell Cubs legend Craig Kimbrell Craig Kimbrell experiences insane in spirits but you know Phillies lost going to the next game in Arizona should be fun the Astros were beating the Rangers. Are they still beating the Rangers? Pulled their pitcher after the first inning the Rangers did. Or during the first inning, I should say. It was getting absolutely shelled. Rangers are... Astros are up 9-3 in the mid middle of the seventh. So the Rangers are coming up to bat. But playoffs are awesome. In whatever sport, playoffs are awesome. What are we doing in fantasy still? Travis at the end, 18 points. We're looking good there. Let's look at some other other leagues we're doing in real quick. Might as well. We're on a, we're on a tangent. I'm losing, or no, I'm winning in fantasy in my William Penn League, cut block specialists, 14 to 6. Who do I have in this league? Jaguars defense. We did start the Jaguars defense. Pick six helps a lot. Next league, we have got the stupid ass name, uh, but I'm losing that game 6 nothing. but I don't have anybody playing, so that's fine. Next game, next league, another dumb name, but I'm winning 17 to 6, but don't tell him. I don't think the person I'm playing to. But that's not important. That's not important. But I'm winning that game. I'm winning that game currently. We'll see how that stands throughout. Next league, uh, we're winning 14-9, but that league scoring is messed up. I don't know. I've kind of stopped paying attention to this league. My team is complete dog water in that league. And then finally, my fantasy hockey team. I remember I won the league last year in fantasy hockey. I'm poised to win it again. My team is unbelievable this year. I love, like, we, you know what we talked about the last show? We talked about there's always that one person in fantasy sports, or, like, one or two people in fantasy sports. Taysom Mill just scored for the Saints. I saw a dude drop Ilya Sorokin for a second-line defenseman, and a not-great second-line defenseman. For those of you who don't know hockey, Ilya Sorokin's a top-five, top-three, top-two goalie in the NHL, and he hadn't even played a game yet. I, I understand to a some, like, to an insane degree if you want to drop him, if he had like a minus six point game, which you can do that in the NHL for goalies for fantasy. But Ilya Sorokin, like, come on. He hadn't even played yet. And he had the greatest game in the world tonight against the Panthers. But still, it's Ilya Sorokin. Ilya Sorokin was key on my team last year. Absolutely key. And my team's just, you know, a wagon at this point. Like right now, we're three games into the week. Four games into the week, sorry. 77 points to 36. But he hasn't checked his team. So I, that's that's the other thing. I actually checked my team, so who knows how different it would be, but 
Hey, he texted me, guy I'm playing, Alec, he texted me the other day, asked if I was okay giving $15 for the league. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm fine taking people's money. Should have done it last year. Won last year. I watched a dude drop Sorokin before he even played a game. So yeah, I'm cool with paying $15. So I'm going to get right back. Knock on wood, obviously, but I digress. Let's end it here. We haven't, we've had enough tangents at the end of the show for today. So yeah, enjoy your weekend. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. We'll have our quarterback rankings out either today or Saturday. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Go to theloganblackmanshow.com to check that out. Also, follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media so you can get access to all of those links to those you know, those blog posts and stuff like that. And also links to the podcast, which make sure, again, you're following the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave it rating on five stars on both. And I will see you all later. Enjoy your weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Peace.